Hey friends, we hope this message from C3 Fort Worth helps you see Jesus like never before. And if you're in or around Fort Worth, we'd love to meet you on a Sunday or at one of our weekly dinner parties. Amen. Hey, why don't you turn to Mark chapter 2. And uh, I don't know, D.L. Adams, do you guys remember when we had Revelation City Church in the building? Uh, that was like one of the greatest Sundays of my life. Um, hey, D.L., come up here. And t- I know you didn't want to be put on. Are you able to, you, you down to come up here and say hi? You don't have to preach. Yeah, come here. But you, just give us a little update on Revelation City Church. And uh, they came in, led worship, preached for us. They launched just, I guess it had been a, a month ago. Just about a month. So give us kind of how you doing, how everything's going. I know it's hard to measure, but. Sure, sure. Well, hello, C3 family. Um, this is so beautiful. I'm so excited to be here with y'all. Y'all, this is a, I love your church. I promise you I do. Um, I'm, what makes it so much better is that we're literally right around the corner from each other now. Um, and so it's so beautiful. But we are so excited. We're doing, we're doing well. We're, today we turned seven weeks. Um, seven weeks today. Um, and so we're, we're excited about what God is doing here um, in the church um, through our churches um, and being able to serve this city. Um, it feels much better to do what we do when we have great neighbors and family like you all right next door. Um, and so I'm just excited. Um, I, you know, our service starts at 11. I said I cannot stop, um, you know, being right around the corner and not show my face for a moment. So thank you all so much. I love you guys so much. Thank you, sir. Well, we thank you for Revelation City Church. We thank you for D.L. and his family. We pray you bless them, cover them, protect them, guide them, lead them. Uh, Lord, fill their hearts with courage, sharpen their minds. Lord, I pray you keep them healthy. Lord, I pray the future is amazing for them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, man. Love you guys. Hey, Mark chapter 2, and uh, this is kind of one of these verses and sections of Scripture that uh, has been a calling card for me. I've preached this on so many occasions, and, uh, and it wasn't because I couldn't come up with something to preach today, so I just threw this one in. Uh, it honestly is so much of the vision of our church. It really does connect us to why we do what we do. If you don't know, the vision of C3 is that you would see Jesus like never before, that we would see Jesus like never before on the streets and hearts of Fort Worth. That, that people would see Jesus in ways they hadn't experienced, whether it be through radical hospitality, whether it be through uh, grace and forgiveness, whether it be through dinner parties, whether it be through creative outreaches, whatever it is, that people would see Jesus. And our goal is at places like this, that they would see Jesus here, and that they would see Jesus at your dinner table, they would see Jesus at your workplace. And how is the primary way they're going to do that? Through you and I. The way you and I live, and I'm not putting pressure on you to somehow be something different. I'm asking you to lean into who Jesus is, and in looking upon Jesus, you would look more like Jesus. Jesus often would withdraw to pray, and the way we say it is withdraw to look upon Jesus so that you can return looking more like him. The Holy Spirit's job in your life is to make you look more and more like Jesus every day. That's why you need the Holy Spirit to give you the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, because it is his to give. You and I can try to muster it up, but how do you guys know it doesn't work very long? It makes it past your second cup of coffee, and then you've lost all patience, no more kindness, and self-control was gone two weeks ago. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Self-control is a gift of the Spirit. Aren't you thankful for that? <laughs> like that's, like you don't have to come up with it by yourself. The Holy Spirit does that in you. And so I want to um, kind of preach on this Mark chapter 2 and talk through why this matters to me and really begin a 10-week hit of the stories of people that encounter Jesus and the stories they told. 
Who are those people in the Gospels who actually saw Jesus face to face, whether it be through uh, a meal, whether it be through healing, whatever it was, what did they see in Jesus and what, did this, what is the story that they told or what is the story that the Gospel writers told about him? And I want us to kind of experience who Christ is through the people who saw him up close. And I'm hoping that as we do this, you begin to see Jesus in a new way, in a fresh way. And I want to just take notice of something, and Jessica said, don't, uh, well, don't sit on the cards, but if you picked up a card when you sat down, there's a card there that says, see Jesus here, and on the back, you just get a very short snippet of her story. If you want to go to the website and read the full story, I believe, I know you will, be encouraged by it. But this is not so that you can just hear someone else's story. This is so that you would have the courage to tell yours. We always say things like, everyone's story matters, and then no one tells their story. And, and then there's others who just tell their story all the time, and, and then we're going to, well, my story doesn't match up to that, or I don't have as good a story as that, or I don't have, well, can I just, can, can I just give you an idea here? The stories even that we hear in the Bible and the Gospels are not complete stories. In fact, you're going to hear that today in Mark chapter 2. They're not the full story. They're part of the story. So if Jesus worked in your life last week, that's a story to tell. If all you did was take a step, even though you got 20 more to take, that's a story to tell. And the more we tell the story, to me, the more story we'll have to tell. Because one of the problems in our faith journey is that we forget. One of the greatest obstacles to faith is forgetfulness. That's why faithfulness is the cornerstone of character. It's because faithfulness is remembering who God is and staying faithful because He is faithful. And our memory, our memory fails us. I'm really good at that. I have a skill at losing things and forgetting things. It's, I, it's so bad that it's almost amazing. Right? I'm good at sleeping. I'm really good at sweating, which I found out at the TCU game yesterday. It's hot. And I'm good at forgetting things. I got some good things that I'm actually good at, but I'm just, those are some, just, I'm just telling my story. And your story does matter, not because it's always perfect, but because it's human. And what, God, what people need to see is that God works in humanity, not, not in spite of it. That when he put Adam in the garden and, said, gave, and gave Adam a job to do, and gave Eve a job to do, guess what he was saying? We're in this together. That you and I together are going to cultivate the earth. So you may only have a story of the last 20 minutes. Tell that story. And let that begin to overwhelm the last 20 years. And as you tell that, it'll be a 21-minute story, and then a 22-minute story, and soon it'll be a 60-minute story, and then it'll be a week-long story, and then a two-week story, and a two-year story of God's faithfulness as you continue to tell the story of what Jesus has done. All right, so Mark chapter 2, and I'm just going to hit a couple things that I think are really, really important in, uh, in this section of scripture and I want to encourage you in in this I'm just going to hit a couple things that are important to us as a church and and important to who we are but I think ultimately important to who the church is and some of you guys have heard me preach this but but since we've come back from COVID I don't think we have and so it's an opportunity coming into a new space and, and coming into a new place for us to kind of set some vision as to why we do dinner parties and why, why we do what we do because I want you to understand there's one thing we're doing here we want people to see Jesus here that's why we're here. That is the whole goal. We don't want them to see us and how good we are at things. We want them to see Jesus in us and through us. Amen? All right. A lot of that is seen as how we relate to one another. 
All right, Mark chapter 2, verse 1. When he, entered, when he entered Capernaum again after some days, it was reported that he was at home. He was at home. I, do you guys like when people knock on your door? It's like it's, It used to be like everybody come out and say hi on your neighborhood, but now it's like if somebody rings your doorbell, you like immediate reflex is duck, like especially if you're not expecting anyone. We've got a few neighbors that always come over unexpectedly. They just come say hi, and it's fine. We're good with that. We're good neighbors, but there is that reflex every once in a while to hide because you're not ready for the party. You're not ready, but one of the things we've done is we've created hospitality that has to be perfect. So you better have your house clean. You better have your table wiped off. You better have the plates put away. You better have everything done, or you can't have people over. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You can't have anybody over unless it's perfect in here, because you want them to think that it's always perfect in here. And if you let them see the plates in the, the sink or a pile of laundry on the couch, then they will find out that you are not as perfect as you seem. And can I just give you an idea, just, let me just help you out here. You don't look that perfect. I'm, I'm not saying that to hurt you. I'm saying that to help you. Because then maybe you'll let people come over more often. You'll let people into your lives more often. And so Jesus is at home. He just came back from a ministry trip. Sounds fun. It ain't. It's hard sometimes. And he's chilling at his house. He just wants to relax. And everybody tells Jesus is back. Everybody come over. Like, there's no mention here of, like, an invitation. There's no, like, hey, everybody come on. We're having a party, potluck style. Everybody bring something. No, no, it's like Jesus is home. Somebody saw him sneak in the back door, and the word just started to spread. So everybody starts piling into his house. It says, so many people gathered together that there was no more room. Anyone ever grew up in church has heard this story? This is a go-to. I'm telling you, when a pastor preaches this, it's because they forgot something. Um, it's like, oh, I didn't prepare a sermon. That's not why I did it. I promise. This is vision. Okay. So there's so, much, so many people in, they could, nobody could get in, not even in the doorway. And he was speaking the message. What's the message? The message is the same message he preached the entirety of his ministry. The kingdom of God is near. The gospel that Jesus preached was that the kingdom of God is near. It wasn't repent so that someday, it was repent because now. Because Jesus has entered this, the world, the king has arrived, so the kingdom has come with him. And the kingdom is meant to be here, so repent from the way this kingdom operates and live in this one. That's why the apostle Paul says he's moved you from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Location, 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 it matters. He moves you into the kingdom of light so that you can live even now as a light, a city on a hill. Amen? Salt of the earth. And so Jesus begins to preach the message. And then they came to him. Four men came to him bringing a paralytic carried by four men. Then they came to him bringing, I'm telling you, this is a classic. Everybody knows this one? If you don't, awesome, because I hope you hear a good message today. Then they came to him bringing a paralytic carried by four men. Carried by four men. I, this, is, this is so important. It's just so mad. I know we're going verse by verse. I'm just going to break it down. I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm just going to get through this. You're going to get through this? I'm older than you. Um, and so, so four men show up par- carrying a paralytic man. We don't know for sure if these are friends. We don't know if these guys hung out. We don't know if these were. In fact, in some cases, you could make 
the assumption uh, that people who knew this man had moved on from this man because sickness was some kind of uh, inclination or, or signal that there was sin in his life. So he was only sick because him or his parents. And so there would be people who would actually separate from those who were sick. Uh, but this could have been some friends or some people who had picked up the corner and started carrying this man to Jesus. They heard about Jesus. They knew what Jesus had done. He'd been to Capernaum before. He's home, right? And so these people are carrying, Jesus, carrying this, this sick man to Jesus. And I want, I want to just say this one phrase. And it's why uh, I was telling you about next steps. It's why there is, there's something that we tend to do where when there's someone who needs healing or something that needs done, what we obsess over is which handle we carry. We tend to be people in life, and I, I love this. We all have a unique calling and gifting. I absolutely believe that. But there are some times where you just need to pick up the corner that's next to you. Sometimes where you don't need to worry about, well, I'm more of a right-handed person, or I'm more of like, I like this side of my photographs, right? I, I need to make sure that I've got only my calling and only my purpose and only the thing that I'm gifted to do and only the thing that I'm made to do. Of course you should do that. And then there's other times where people just need to get to Jesus. And whatever handle's in front of you, pick it up. Just carry a corner. It doesn't even have to be your corner. You could have carried the other one yesterday. But today, this is where you ended up. And sometimes the greatest way to your purpose is grabbing the corner that's closest. Sometimes serving someone else is how we discover who we are. I think it's actually the way God has hardwired us, is that we serve other people and discover something about ourselves. It's why you can actually do something really, really well for a really long time and still end up miserable, frustrated, and empty. Because you didn't get there by serving, you got there by putting yourself first. And that is an empty, God has hardwired you to pick up the handle. He did it with Adam. Hey, just name the animals. Yeah, but I'm more made to like cultivate the earth and rule and reign. You know, I'm kind of that person. No, 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 no. Just name the animals. Water the plants. Let's make this thing happen. And sometimes we need to quit obsessing about which corner we're at and just pick up what corner we're at because there are people who need to get to Jesus. And I want to be very clear. There are going to be people who will not get there themselves. They're not just going to show up at the ostrium because they thought it looked like a cool building at Sunday at 10 o'clock. They're not just going to show up. They're going to be carried. They're going to be brought and they're going to feel like, no, well, I don't fit in with that church crowd, or I've been to that one church as though that one church represents all churches, right? I know of a few churches that I wish didn't represent me. But we, don't, we, we have this opportunity to pick people up and bring them into a place of healing and hope and restoration and life. So, so these guys bring them to Jesus. And then they get to the house, and what happens? They get to the house, and there's no room. All right, we've carried this dude all the way to Jesus, and now there's no room. And there's kind of a decision moment here, right? There's kind of a decision. Do I kind of shut it down? Do I end it right here? Do we turn around and go back to where we came from? Now, Capernaum's not flat. Capernaum's kind of this thing where you've got to walk up and down. There's like all kinds of hills. So this is not some easy trek. This is not just kind of like, okay, here to the door. This is a journey to this house. And there's a moment of decision here. And sometimes that's why things should be difficult. Because it's too easy to quit on the easy things. The hard things sometimes make you go, okay, I've made it nine steps in. I'm not giving up now. And so these guys get to it and they, and they go, oh, well, it's full. We can't push through all these people carrying this. That's not going to happen. 
So the other option is get on the roof. Now, it's not houses like yours and I's. It's not, it's not the pitched roof. It's not any of that. There's actually probably a stairway to it. They're not, like, pulling this guy up, hoping he holds on well. Like, that's not what's going on. They're carrying him up to the top. They're removing this, the, the stuff off top, and then they're pulling the panels back one by one. I always thought, like, when I first heard the story, I thought, like, they had seven shovels, and they were just, like, ruining someone's house. No, this is going to be put back together afterwards. It's all good. Don't worry. But they pull this thing down, and then they begin to lower this man down in front of Jesus. They were able to bring him in and lower him down, and this is where it gets really interesting because they broke through the roof, and I don't know what verse I'm in now because I just kind of told that part without reading it. It says, since they were not able, verse 5 or 4, since they were not able to bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, they removed the roof above where he was. And when they had broken through, they, they lowered the mat on which the paralytic man was lying. Verse 5, seeing their faith. I love this part. Seeing whose faith? Not the paralytic man's faith. They didn't see the man who needed the healing. Jesus didn't, rec- Jesus didn't even make mention of him. Jesus looked at the other four men who had brought him to the house, lowered him into the floor, and, and he says what? Seeing their faith, he says what to him? Your sins are forgiven. So I'm sorry, I just want to, this may mess up your theology a little bit, might mess up your doctrine a little bit. This is Jesus, right? He is the Word. He is the Word through which all things are created. Jesus looks at other people and forgives this person. Now, of course, that's a, that's a one-off story. That doesn't really happen in other stories, but I just want to throw this at you. Jesus sees other people's faith and gives this man forgiveness. Now, he's setting some people up here because what the Pharisees are going to do is go, whoa, 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 whoa. the Messiah who is going to forgive must also be able to heal. Their standard for the Messiah, their standard for the one who could absolve people of their sin that standard said, well, you can't do that unless you can also heal. So Jesus forgives their sins. He's not just doing this to kind of like be nice to the man. He's doing this because, well, there's a couple reasons. One, Jesus cares about what's happening on the inside of you. There can be times where our American gospel, and no, I don't think it's all bad, but there are times where the American gospel can move into this place of it's all about how well you're doing. It's all about how good things are for you. If you've done this well and you got that house and that car, then Jesus loves you more. Obviously, you love Jesus too. Clearly, you know Jesus better than the rest of everybody because you've got things. And Jesus looks at a paralytic man and goes, my first priority is what's happening in your soul. My first priority is the sin that's causing death in you, and I want life in you. So where Jesus starts life is not outwardly, but inwardly. Jesus' goal is to heal you here that you might bring healing here. That's the bare fruit. Seed, fruit. Seed, fruit. And so he's, he's doing something here. But the second thing he's doing is saying, because he knows the Pharisees follow Jesus. It's that whole deal of like, I don't like you, but I want to see everything you're doing. Right? We have a few of that. That happens now, right? I don't like you very much, but I'm going to follow you on Instagram so I can comment when you post something. And so these guys go, these guys go okay, ho, 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 hold on. And in fact, they actually don't say anything. Jesus, and I'm, he, he tips his hand here is what he was trying to do. Okay? He says, your sins are forgiven. But some of the scribes were sitting there thinking to themselves. 
Jesus is so good, man, he can just see right through you. Quit trying to act all good in front of Jesus. He knows. He knows what's going on. And they're just sitting there thinking, wait, hold on. This, this can't happen. Why does he speak like this? He's blaspheming. Who can for, forgive sins but God? Who can forgive sins but God? Nobody else can forgive sins. Well, how do we know that? Because God can heal. God created. God made new life. There's no way. he could, why, are, why is he doing that? And then Jesus chimes in. This is where, this is where the story gets... It continues to just keep getting better. Jesus has set these guys up. Verse 8, right away, Jesus understood in his spirit. There's discernment. There's a gift of the spirit. I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit's important. You should make sure that that's, we'll talk about that more later. That they were thinking like this within themselves and said to them, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier? I love the questions. I posted this last week. Jesus, so often, uh, one discussions or arguments, if that's the way to say it, based on the questions he asked, not on the statements he made. He asked people questions because questions locate you. So often we make statements and all that does is locate us. And people are like, oh, great, that's where you stand. But if you were to ask a good question, then they now have to decide where they stand. And once we know where each other stands, then maybe we can work together. And so Jesus would always ask questions. Hey, why are you thinking like this? Why are, you, why are you thinking about these things? Which is easier, to say to this paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, pick up your mat, and walk? Which one's easier? And of course, in their head, they're going, well, the sins thing we can't really verify or validate. We have no way of measuring that. There's not like a meter next to you where it goes empty. Like, we don't really know. So... So yeah, healing is the verification that forgiveness can happen, right? So Jesus has done it backwards so that they would ask these types of questions. And Jesus goes, well, which one's easier? Here's what I'm going to do. So you know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. We could connect that to what we talked about a couple weeks ago about the keys to the kingdom. I have authority to do what? To bring forgiveness and life to unlock heaven and the earth because what it's already done there is now done here. But so you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He told the paralytic, I tell you, get up, pick up your mat, and go home. I tell you to get up, pick up your mat, and go home. Immediately, he got up, picked up the mat, went out in front of everyone. As a result, they were all astounded, gave glory to God, and this is where you'll get the vision that we have here at See Jesus Like Never Before, saying we have never seen anything like this. So Jesus heals a man, get, forgives him first. I bet there's a lot of healing that would follow forgiveness. That's why forgiveness can be so hard, because the fullness of what God wants to do in you is through that gate. Forgiveness is the gate. Always has been, always will be, and it's one of the hardest things to do because it is, is the thing that unlocks so many other things. Forgiveness. And that doesn't always look like a moment. Sometimes it's in the process, but here's what you need to understand. Jesus has already said to you, you're forgiven. The hardest part is not whether or not Jesus will forgive. It's whether or not you and I can walk it out. And that is difficult. That can be hard. So Jesus says to this, this man, I, oh, guys, this is my, I love this story. It's a good one. And Jesus says to the paralytic man, hey, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. 
Now, there's a couple key parts to the story, and I'm going to close with this. A couple key parts of the story that really, really matter. One is the very beginning of the story. What happened at the very beginning of the story? The storyteller, right? Mark tells you what's happening. Jesus is home, and what, then what happens? The whole house is full to the point to what? That no one could even get in the door. So the paralytic man was carried to the roof. So I want you to think about this. Here's what's happening. Everybody's outside the building. Everybody's outside the house just hoping that a few people will move and they can kind of usher themselves in, right? Everybody's just hanging out, waiting, hoping they can hear or see Jesus. And here comes four men with a paralytic man. Four men show up. They kind of, maybe they're, they're, they're 20 feet off the door. Maybe they're 15 feet off the door. Maybe they're 40 feet off the door. I don't know. But there's a crowd at the house. And everybody sees this, this group of people. At this point, everybody's going to see these four men carry this paralytic man up steps onto the roof, right? They're going to set up some pulley system, some MacGyver friends that he had, and he's gonna, they're going to lower him down in front of Jesus, right? That's the last time they would have seen the paralytic man. They would have seen the man lowered down, and the four friends just posted up on top, like, okay, cool. Jesus goes, they, he's, he's forgiven because of you. Oh, what a thing to, be no, to know that because of my relationship to someone else, they felt and found and experienced forgiveness. Man. And so these four dudes just hanging out on top of the roof. The owner of the house going, did you really have to take it apart? I mean, are y'all staying to fix it? And then the next time they see this same man, what do they see? They see the mat that he was lowered in on underneath his arm, and he's walking out of the door, pushing through the crowd, and exclaiming that he's been healed, and they're all going, oh my God, I can't see Jesus, but I can see a man that I watched lowered in on a mat walk out with the same mat. I think Jesus told him to pick up the mat, not because he was trying to do a Samarie, uh, what's her last name? Condo, I was going to say that, I had it. Not because he was trying to keep the place nice and neat, I mean the roof was gone, right? He's not like worried about how well everything looks. He wants the man to pick up the mat so that when he walks out the door, everybody recognizes who he is. I want you to hear something. Sometimes we try to cover up the mat Jesus picked us up off of. Sometimes we try to get rid of that part of our story as though that's the part that would cause us to not be in the grace of God, to not be used by Jesus, to not be in the fold, to not make it in the family, to not have some purpose or effectiveness in our life. But you know what Jesus is doing? No, no, no. Pick up the mat. Take it out the door. Go home. Why? He didn't have to go home. Why did Jesus send him home? He could have just stood there for the rest of the message. Right? Like if I saw somebody go, okay, get up, now stand there, because I want to look at you every time I preach, because it makes me feel better about this. No, he says, okay, you, it's time for you to go. Why does he have to go? Because the mat needs to say something. Because the problem is now the testimony. It's now the story. The mat is the message. Some of you don't need to hide your past. You need to realize that God's healed you from it. And you need to know that there are those around you who need to hear that. 
And sometimes people come to me and they'll go, hey, I, I, need, I need to talk through some stuff. And, and I'm good at that. Well, <laughs> that was arrogant. I, I'm actually not. I'm actually not really great at counseling. I'm not. Uh, I try. And I'm encouraging. But you know what I, what I try to do is connect people to other people who have the story that they need to hear. Because sometimes, sometimes we don't realize other people have gone through it. People are really good at telling their bad stories. So we all know that bad things happen to people. What we never hear is how God's healed you from it, how God's restored you from it, how God's made a way when you didn't think there was a way. How God, I, I'm, I'm looking around the room, I, I think about Kyle and Amanda, right? Both of them coming out of, of, of marriages that, and, and, and finding each other. Now they're two kids in. I, I think of, of Shane and Talisha battling infertility, and, and, and now they're on their second child. I, I think of I think of all, I, I can look around the room and see people's stories, and they may not be finished yet. Oh, my God, please don't get this story. This, this is the one thing I hate about the stories of, of, of the, well, I don't hate the stories. I just hate how we, how we locate them and position them in front of people. This man's story was not finished yet. He didn't get up off the mat and go, it's all sorted. No, he probably had to go figure out what his, now, his career was going to be. He had to go restore relationship with some family members that had probably abandoned him in the process of him dealing with his affliction. He probably had to go figure out where he was going to live, where he was going to go. There was all kinds of things that this person still had to work out. The healing was not the end. The healing was the beginning. The healing was just the next thing of where God was releasing more things for them to be able to walk in and step into. And some of you are in the midst of your healing. It doesn't feel like healing. It still feels like pain. But God is restoring things in our lives, and there's going to be a story to tell. And the truth is, there's probably already a little bit of a story to tell. That you're even in the room. That Jesus is here now. That you are in the presence of God. And you can pick up your mat and walk out the door. And no, it's not all sorted. It's not all fixed. It's not all done. But you are, in the name of Jesus, healed, forgiven, set free to walk out this space and I'm telling you the thing that's going to change this city is not how good our church services are I think we do I think we do church services really good C3 and all the churches around we have come up with a formula we are great at it and I don't think it's fake I don't think it's pretend I don't think it's produced I think it's the way we do life and we do it well I love it I love Sundays you know what's going to change a city when we leave our house with our mat and we're willing to tell people that God has done something in me. I'm going to need him to do more. I'm going to have to trust him in every season. I'm going to have to trust him all along the way. But he's done something already. And I can tell you about it. And I can tell you about it. And I can tell you about it. And he's been faithful. And he's been, he's there. And even in the hardest things, even in the most difficult things, when my friends had to carry me because I couldn't get there myself, the grace of God is sufficient. And he looks at you and he says, you are forgiven. Now stand up. Because I'm not just doing this for you. I'm not just doing this for your sake, even though I love you to death. I'm not doing this just because. I'm, not, I'm doing this because there's going to be someone outside this door that needs to see you walking with a mat to know that you have a story. And that they have a story. And the more stories of Jesus we can share, the more people will see Jesus in theirs. That's why I love Mark 2. Because it ain't the whole thing. 
but it's enough of a thing to understand that Jesus is at work. So let's just pick up our corner. Let's pick up our corner. Just do our part. Let's give people to Jesus. In the midst of their pain, in the midst of the things that have quite literally paralyzed them, not been able to allow them to move forward, you and I have an opportunity to take them to Jesus. They're forgiven. They're healed. They're made whole. And when you see their mat, when you see the story, when you see the stuff they walk through, you look at them and you go, man, I've never seen God work like that before. That's what I'm praying for out of this church. Amen? Amen? We see Jesus like never before. And that God would get the glory. Why don't you bow your heads with me? I'm going to pray. Listen, this is kind of the message that hits everybody a little bit differently. For some of you, you're going, man, I just want to do my part. I just want to pick up the corner. Whether that's serving on a Sunday or the way I set the table at dinner party or just the way I am at work or in my neighborhood. I just want to do my part. I'll just do what's in front of you. For some of you, you're hearing healing and you're healing forgiveness. And those two words right now are the hardest words for you to hear. They sound great in a message, but man, to put them in my life, they're hard. They're difficult. I want you to understand, it's not me here. I'm not the one saying this. Jesus has looked upon you. And that cross is a definitive revelation of his love towards you. And it is a decisive victory over the death that is trying to swallow you up. Jesus has put a permanent mark on the earth that says you are loved, you are forgiven, and you are made whole. There's some of us today who, are, who actually have that mat. We've picked it up, and now we're walking. And God's asking you to be that much more vulnerable, that much more bold, that much more willing to share the story of your life, to know that God has worked in you and through you. Lord, I pray right now over every person, over every life in this place, wherever they are at, however this hit them, Holy Spirit, however you put this in their hearts and in their minds, Lord, I pray right now that you would begin again in them. Lord, some of them today are picking up their mat. Some of them today are still being lowered down in front of Jesus. Some of us today are, are the ones caring, and some of us today are the ones laying. And in either case, Jesus, you see us. I want to pray over the healing and forgiveness part. That part keeps hitting me pretty hard as we're sharing this. And so I would just ask everyone to stand real quick. Um, Jesus. And I'm going to ask uh, Steve and Linda to come up and stand here. I'm going to ask my mom to come on up. I'm going to Shane and T to stand up here. And as we're worshiping, I know it might be a little bold. Maybe you guys stand on the outside of the speaker. It gives you guys more room. And, um, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. As we're singing this song, as we're worshiping together, I want you to be bold. And if you need to bring a friend with you, 
so they can walk you up. I want you to come and pray. You may not know where you're at. You may not know what you need. You may not know exactly how it's going to play out. You may not know the future, and you shouldn't. God will give you the daily bread that you need for this moment and this time. If you need prayer as we sing, I want you to take this moment, take advantage of it. We are not rushed. We are not in a hurry. And I want you to find these guys and let them pray with you. Amen? Let them pray with you. Lord, I thank you for today. Lord, I pray it's a blessing. I pray that people are blessed. I pray that their heart is full. And I pray that today you remind them you are their healer. You are their forgiveness. You have already made a way. God, I pray that we can learn how to walk in that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.